Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey guys, it is Janie with Pet Biz Hive Pet Sitter MBA, and I am the Pet Biz Guru. Welcome to today's discussion. This is the third part of the four-part series that we have on hiring. So many of us are in that phase. I am in that phase. We have thankfully just hired three more this week. So um, we are about to push 40 employees out in the field, plus our management team on top of that. And that is an exciting space for us to be in. Uh, After doing this, let's see, right now, been in business for 25 years. I have had, um, I've had people working for me for 24 of those. The first uh, 12, first 14 years, I used independent contractors until I learned better, learn better, do better is one of my values. And since 2000 and... Since 2012, so the last 10 years at least, I have used employees. So during that time, the interview process is not a whole heck of a lot different when you're talking to people to find out who is the best fit for your company. I have, I can't even count how many people I've had work for me, how many interview processes we have gone through, and we have really nailed down what the important factors are for hiring someone. I have had some information out for a while about the hiring process. Really one of the things that we focus on as a company is behavioral interviewing, as opposed to the typical, well, tell me three things about you. Of course you can learn something from that, but it's more so based on how they answer. One thing when you're interviewing is you don't want to have the typical questions. You know, there are a lot of times you can look up, well, how do I interview someone? And there is just stock questions. But on the flip side, if you look up, how do I present myself in an interview? You're going to see those same questions. So if you have someone who has prepared for the interview, they're going to have answers prepackaged with a nice little bow on them to certain questions. So of course you want something that's going to be more of a behavioral analysis of who they are going to be on your team, uh, as opposed to just some rehearsed list of answers that they have pre come up with. So I always like to put a few little surprises in there that really makes them stop and think. And sometimes you learn a lot about a candidate just from the spaces in between, the silence, Uh, Body language is very important to watch when you're in an interview also. The main thing that we have worked with on developing our questions is a book by Patrick Lencioni. It's called The Ideal Team Player. This is what that book looks like. Um, It is one of the books on my list of favorite books. I have a list of 50 favorite business books that is available on my uh, website at petbizmba.com. Uh, actually, petsitterguru.com is probably the easiest way to get to that. If you look back in previous blogs, you will see a link to 
that uh, information. If you're a reader like me, I'm one of those that likes to blow through uh, about a book a week. So that is part of my passion and thirst for knowledge. So back to the ideal team player, Patrick Lencioni is the guru on finding the right people for your team based off of behavioral analysis. Now he really associates it with three different factors. He wants you to make sure that you have someone on your team that is hungry, humble, and smart. So the way that he defines those kind of have a little interesting tweak to them. Of course, hungry, thinking of somebody that's hungry coming into your business, they really want the job. But in this situation, it's not just, gee, I need some cash to put in my bank account. It's that they really want to make a bigger impact. So you want to interview for their hunger to make a difference because that, of course, is what we're doing is we're making a difference in people's lives. So you want to make sure that you find someone that fits that company culture and that passion that you're trying to create in your community. So you want to make sure you do find someone that is hungry. Humble, of course, that is your pretty standard definition. Uh, you want to make sure that you don't have someone coming on your team that is a complete diva because we don't have time for divas. There's no room on my team for divas. Uh, you want to make sure that you have someone that comes in with, of course, self-confidence. You don't want to have somebody who's a dish rag that comes into your company. But you do want to have someone that um, can accept praise, can accept criticism, is not trying to lift themselves over everyone else and be manipulative. So really looking for that type of personality, because when you have that type of personality that is there to give, to contribute, uh, that makes a huge difference on your team, especially in the stressful times. I know a lot of us over this summer are having extra stress. We are having extra stress. So I am 100% with you on that. And uh, finding someone who is going to be a peaceful breath of fresh air whenever you are in the middle of that. And, and they're so giving and so humble whenever uh, they work with you. That is a wonderful thing. And then the third one is being smart. And this is not just book intelligence. Of course, it's great when people come on board and they automatically have all the tech knowledge that you need if you use software and they're able just to get up to speed so fast. I'm not talking about that type of smart. The type of smart we're talking about is emotional intelligence. Now, I know some of you do have your team members who go out and they do their own new client appointments. This is where this comes in. This is a person who is able to respond to the environment, respond to the person. They can understand the person's personality and be able to speak into that um, and, and how to kind of that interplay of communication that we need to have when we're meeting with a client. This is that smart person who is able to represent your company well. That is important if you have somebody out there who is the face of your company. You want to make sure that they represent you the way that you want to be seen. So making sure that those people are smart. So hungry, humble, and smart. So hopefully that little uh, explanation makes sense to you. Of course, I 100% recommend Patrick Lencioni's book. That is uh, 
L-E-N-C-I-O-N-I, Patrick Lencioni, the ideal team player. So you can get that. Of course, I also do have it on Audible. I'm a big listen to book person when I take walks. And uh, of course, if you're a paper flipper, I'm one of those two. Um, I like to highlight right in the margins and all that. So all my books are pretty dog-eared on that end, but um, you can get them both ways. And I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about the actual interview process. So this book will help you come up with behavioral questioning to really be able to discern is this candidate hungry, humble, and smart? You want, of course, all three of those, you know, the perfect little diagram. Is that a Venn diagram? I believe it is. The perfect intersection of hungry, humble, and smart, where you've got that ideal team player in the middle. You want to see all of that. If you have someone who is lacking in a particular area, you really just kind of need to step back and assess, you know, is that something that I can work with? Is this an area where I can develop this person? Uh, we have people who have been with us for years that I'm thinking of one person in particular, five years now, when she started um, very introverted and shy, um, not very comfortable with new client appointments, new client meetings, but over this period of time, We've been able to help develop her to the point where she is very outgoing. One of her favorite things is new client appointments. So, you know, you can develop some of these areas. Um, humble, you just can't develop that. Either somebody is a naturally humble person or they are just full of arrogance and you do not want that donkey on your team. Absolutely not, because that will be a challenge every day you deal with them. So you just need to kind of figure out, you know, what what can you work with there? What can you develop in a person? So with that hungry, humble, smart concept, you're going to come up with questions that work for what you do, that dig deeper. Uh, of course, you do want those open ended questions. And the key thing that I learned years ago, you want to ask a question and you want to shut up. You don't want to continue feeding them information. Sometimes the discomfort that someone feels in an interview as the interviewee, you're going to find out an awful lot in that empty space because they're going to want to keep filling it. So you make sure when you ask that question that you allow them the space to answer. That was always a very tough thing for me. I am personally not a good interviewer. In my situation uh, years ago, I hired someone to take that lead for me because I, I've worked on it many times. Um, I could continue working on it, but I know it is a weakness of mine. And as a leader, I decided that, that is something that someone else on my team, I could make sure I filled that spot with someone who was effective and wonderful at it. That is asking the questions, hearing, reading in between the lines, and, you know, being able to make wise follow-up questions. So I have that spot filled now. I have managers that do that for me. I have an HR manager that is my lead interviewer. And then we do, of course, with uh, in office interviews, have another manager in there also. So we have two ears working together. We have a great list of questions in the process that we do. Everyone has a different process. Um, 
I, I think recently I heard someone is solely doing interviews by Zoom. I'm not sure about that because there's a lot of communication, a uh, lot of intangible things, body language, uh, nonverbal communication that just does not come through here. I try my best when I talk to you, but believe me, having a conversation across this table from me would be a very different experience from watching me on here. So um, the first thing that we do, though, we don't do everything solely by Zoom, but uh, we used to actually have, uh, we call it our drive-by interview, where, you know, we're just seeing if you're at all a good fit and worth pursuing. So we, of course, evaluate the client first, uh, client, evaluate the candidate first based off of you know, the questionnaire that we have in the application to find out if they even come in the ballpark. And then we do our drive-by interview, you know, a little sheet that we have here. We used to do this solely by phone, but during COVID, we switched over to using Zoom. Actually, probably 2019, we switched over to Zoom because we wanted to get that preview of some of the body language and how people answered and a little bit more of their communication skills through Zoom. So we were able to decide that too. This is really, uh, we like to keep it short. We, we like to keep it like 15, 20 minutes. We can find out what we need to know at that point. We are asking some specific questions at that point about scheduling. Where do you live? What's your availability? What's your experience? Those real um, just top level questions to figure out if this is someone worth pursuing. We don't do a lot of the behavioral questioning on a Zoom call. We are just trying to make sure that this is a warm body that might actually fit on the bus in the first place. So um, several things that will rule somebody out in this process. Usually it's going to be availability at that point because we know specifically what we know, what we need to have on our team in a specific area. And sometimes it's hard to get off of just an application online. And if they go through our Zoom drive-by interview, then we do invite them into the office for an in-person interview. Again, I do recommend that you do have an in-person interview, at least one. Uh, we have a physical office. I've had a physical office now for about 10 years. And so of course we have them come into our office. A lot of other options where you can have these interviews. Before that, I used to do them in like the local Starbucks or uh, the St. Louis Bread Company. Well, I mean, you guys might know it as Panera, but you know, it started in St. Louis. So it's the St. Louis Bread Company always to me. And that can be a good place. You just want to make sure it is something where there is a quiet corner, where it's not just a massive, busy environment. Uh, that might cause a little bit too much distraction, not just for them, but for you also, you want to really be able to focus on them. Uh, nice little benefit of being in that kind of an environment is you can also watch how they respond and interact with any servers or any other people they come across. You're, you're looking a lot in that case for that, that smart and that humble. Are, are they kind? Do they say thank you? Um, you know, are they dismissive of someone who is a server or the person at the register? It gives you an opportunity just to gauge their interactions with other people that way, too. So that is also a benefit. And uh, we actually just solely do those in the office now. And what we do with the in-person is we always have, of course, my HR manager who is uh, 
the one that does the Zoom interview. And then we do have another manager that goes in at that time. Typically, they will look over the application ahead of time. They'll kind of figure out based off of our behavioral questioning, what questions each one is going to talk about. And they usually kind of interplay back and forth. We do have forms that we fill out. We have each question numbered on a one to five. Of course, I always recommend if you're doing any kind of a scale, don't ever use even numbers. You'll notice me do that a lot because uh, like if you have a scale of one to 10, there's always those two numbers in the middle. There's there's always some sort of a middle number and you want to make sure you eliminate there being, you know, something like two different numbers that are in the middle. So one through five, you know, sure, you got your three in the middle, but you know, you got to make sure you swing to one end or the other. So we use uh, one through five on our scale. And uh, typically the one person that is doing the recording of the notes and scoring, they're the ones that do it at all times. In case we are comparing candidates, we have the ability to compare their numbers. If there is any reason that they both question something they're not quite sure. Sometimes I will be called in as the just third wheel in an interview. Uh, sometimes, like uh, we had one recently where they were really questioning um, maturity level. And we will uh, have in our back pocket doing a, a, a working interview where we will send that candidate along on one or two dog walks with one of our team trainers. They have been, of course, trained to uh, be aware of people who have an attention to detail. They are the ones that are dealing with our candidates right off the bat. So they have really good eyes to be able to see this person has zero dog skills. This person is very uncomfortable. This person seems dismissive. Uh, they, you know, do not ask any questions. They don't pay attention. They were on their phone all the time. So that is sometimes what we will reserve a little working interview for certain candidates. We don't have to do it very often. I can say that between the Zoom and the in-person interview, having two of my managers deal with that, that it works very well. So, you know, even if you have a very small team, if you have one of your employees who is like huge for you, that really helps you out a lot. Perhaps they can come in and be that second ear in that in-person interview. It's always nice to have someone else who knows how your business runs, knows the type of environment you work in, knows how the schedule works, knows the stressors that you deal with that can you know, be that second ear, ask additional follow-up questions. Hopefully that gives you a little bit more information on how to go through that interview process. I do have a wonderful little document that um, I will go ahead and attach the link to. It's hiring for your business, the interview process. This actually does have some of our questions that we actually asked directly on here. Filter through, see what you think about them. I put the questions on here and then I in italics, I kind of explained uh, on some of the questions what we think about them. Some of these are a little bit different questions. They're not your traditional things that you really think of. Um, so let's see, what are you reading that? What are you reading right now? Um, I actually like that. I'm a huge reader. 
definitely lets us know how involved people are. We always like to ask, especially because we are heavy on tech, what was the last app you downloaded? We usually uh, will ask that in the in-person interview because we'll really get an idea of, uh, you know, I mean, there's like people's, what people like, what people are doing, but also understanding that they do know how to download something on their phone because we do require that, you know, for several things in our company. So um, let's say, <laughs> Okay, what kind of team member do you think would be the best fit for our company? That's one of the things that we really key into in interviews is, did this person even research the company they were working for? It amazes me sometimes, the people that do not prepare. Um, the people that come in and they're like, yeah, so you go to the owner's home, right? And uh, do you take care of cats too? Uh, well, that's like most vacant looks and, and questions. Thankfully, we can kind of see that in the Zoom interview. But we're always really concerned if we get to the end of the interview and we ask, you know, do you have any additional questions for us? And people don't have any questions. That's also a little bit of a, a flag to us when they have zero questions at the end of an interview. So, um, I, you know, we, we know we tend to explain ourselves fairly well, but there's always an opportunity to ask a question. That's kind of interviewing 101. You always want to have something in your back pocket when you're going to interview as a follow-up question so the company knows that you are deeply interested. I guess that's part of the hungry, humble, smart, right? That's the hungry part, that you have that deep interest and you know, digging into who this company is that you're interviewing for. So it's always a bit of a red flag for us too, but a little bit of an aside there. Um, so definitely go into the comments at the bottom of this video. I will put the link there for you to access this document with the questions and just kind of more of what I've talked about in this hiring interviewing process. Other than that, y'all have an amazing weekend. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move?